Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Carolyn talking about Steps 6 and 7. Oh, hi everyone. I'm, my name's Carolyn. I'm an alcoholic. Hey. Okay. I apologise for being late. I uh, ended up past Ringwood and um, it was about that time where I went, holy cow, um, you know, I think I'm wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I did look it up last night. I know my character defect. I'm not good at this stuff. And, I, and, and my husband was saying, oh, put the, you know, technology, what are they called, navigation things on. And I'm like, no. Don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> you know, I just think... And then I was um, getting really stressed and um, couldn't breathe and, and then I had to pull over and, and, uh, and I, just, I just had to pray, you know? Mm. Here I am coming to an AA, beautiful, spiritually-based weekend and I felt insane. And I'm going to talk about step six and seven and... Um, I just felt really humbled and uh, I had to ring Michael and say, oh, oh, and he's going, it's okay, we'll just move the, that's why I said, he, he said he'd just move the speaker arrangement round. And I went, oh, <laughs> you know, like this is how AA works in my life, you know, and then it was just really interesting because I was pulled over and I just had to pray. I said, God, please help me, you know, of myself, like I am, I'm, I'm not, you know, sure where to go. And because I was so sort of, I had to stop and just look at the Melways. Like, <laughs> it's very humbling. Anyway, so I got here, and it's funny, as, I was, and as I'd made that phone call and as I looked at the mailways and as I started to come the other way, it's like, oh, I go down this way. It was like I was clear. <laughs> I just thought, oh, this is how it works in a really, really minute sense. It's really trivial, but this is how my program works in my everyday life. Um, and, yeah, and I was just noticing all my character defects coming up in terms of driving and just, you know, wanting to speed, wanting everyone else to get out of my way. I'm the one that's at fault. You know, I'm the one that was wrong. And it's no one else's fault that they were just sitting on the speed limit on Father's Day and just enjoying the day. So I had to sort of just keep letting it go and going, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll get there when I get there and uh, here I am. So, um, yeah, uh, I love six and seven. I've got a friend who used to call these the these steps the engine room, mm. and my home group used to be the steps in St Kilda meeting with David and Chris, and I really miss them. But um, uh, it was a really strong meeting, and it was actually at that meeting when I uh, started to, uh, you know, I think I've been in AA for probably I've been sober probably around nine or ten years, and I started to attend that meeting on a regular basis and made it my home group and um, started to actually, it took me that long to start to hear the steps and do them in a different way. Like um, Suzanne said, um, Susie said, you know, I was very, I was very, the first few years of my, my doing my steps, I was at, so intense and I actually was really driven a lot by, I think, um, by fear in doing the steps, I didn't want to drink again and actually one of my character defects is that I hate making mistakes. I really, really hate making mistakes. Which means that I'm you know, I can be really indecisive because I don't know what to do because I don't want to make a mistake, so I'll do nothing. Um, and I was so scared of making a mistake with the steps. So I was very, I was very intense. I did them to the letter, I was very literal with it. I look at the words and I do it like this. But I did do it in a way that um, 
meant that I actually did beat up on myself a lot. And uh, I did look, when I was doing my, um, <coughs> taking my inventories and things, uh, particularly in step 10, I would always use it. I, I would often, it seemed to be just a chance to look at all the things I did wrong and, mm. and there wasn't as much balance in it. And then things started to change. But I'll just go back and say, well, you know, just to get you up to date, but um, what happened is I came into AA. I was 28 years old. I've been in AA 20 years this year, uh, uh, this month, sorry. And, um, and, and I, you know, still drinking, so I've been without a drink for 19 years and then I took another substance and changed my date um, about two and a half years in. So um, that just gives you a little bit of um, uh, those that don't know me. And when I first, when I took, after I took my last drink, I was um, very, you know, willing to do the steps. And when I did the, my first six and seven, it was very similar to Susie and saying, you know, oh, great, you know, I was very much like I was approaching this like it was a course and, um, you know, like I was going to do the study and I was going to get the, the graduation and I was going to be great, you know. And I, knew, I didn't even know that I had, had ideas about what my life would look like. I actually didn't think I had any, actually, but, I did, but, but it's interesting when they don't happen, then you realise that you've got plans. <laughs> um, and my life didn't start to go the way that I thought it was meant to go after doing these steps because my idea was that I was going to do these steps and I was going to get rendered white as snow, as it says in the book. It says that we don't get rendered white as snow, but I didn't even know I was going to... I was thinking that until it didn't happen. So I thought that I, you know, do these steps, I get up to six and seven, uh, great, they're only a paragraph each, tick the box, and then, you know, I felt like I was ready because I was so, felt so broken in six. And I, I made a list of, um, I think it was about three pages, and uh, of all the things that were wrong with me. <laughs> What I did was, uh, in my great wisdom at that time, was that um, in all the self-help books and things and that I had <clears throat> that I had done, and uh, was that I look. I had this idea that I'll look at it like there was a, there was this sort of pro, uh, um, thing that they said. Oh, it was a really good self-helpy thing to do. Which you look at life. You look at your life as if you were writing a eulogy. And you want what? What do you want people to say about you when you're when you're gone? So I wrote, my, I wrote my this list like that. <laughs> so basically, it was just like, if I, you know, it was just everything. It was just so much on that list. It was exhausting. I, you know, it was thing. It was just wanting to be perfect. Mm. And I kind of, you know, asked. <laughs> I thought I was really humble, and I was sort of like approaching God with this big list, and you know, and then about a week. After doing six and seven, I was in traffic. Traffic is a big one for me. Mm. And, um, and uh, one, you know, one of the things on my list was that I wanted to be really patient and, you know, oh, kind and, you know, I didn't want to have anything negative about me at all. And then I was in traffic and, um, and I lost it. And I thought, oh, my God, this hasn't worked. Six and seven hasn't worked. <laughs> and then I started to uh, panic and I took back, you know, I just started to run the show again and I thought, well... So then I um, started to try to control myself, my behaviours, my thinking, my life mm. to fit in with this big, long list of things that I thought on it. So I tried hard to be patient. And when <laughs> I wasn't patient, I became very impatient at God for not helping me be patient. 
you know, and I was just kind of running on the, on, I was, I was just so, oh, it was so intense, and I was so, it was so painful to be around, and, um, you know, when I found out that our core defect was self-centeredness, or self-centered fear, particularly, I'd be going to people, oh, I'd say something, then I'd say, was that self-centered? Now, do you think, um, do you think that I talk too much about myself then? What do you think? Oh, my God. I was so, like, because I was trying to be perfect, which happens to be, of course, one of my core character defects as well. So this all went on. And finally, I had a um, beautiful, my first sponsor, gorgeous, never, you know, just amazing. Then one day, never raised a voice, anything, lots of patience, one day I rang her and I said, this is just not working. Oh, I'm so impatient. I'm having fights with people. <laughs> she goes, oh, and I said, you know, it's just not working six and seven. And she actually raised her voice at me um, because she had to get louder than my head, I think. And um, she said, oh, my God, Carolyn, when are you going to get it? It's not about you demanding that you're going to be like this. This is about God removing those things in you that God sees as objectionable, that God sees and deems as character defects. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Why would he? I didn't know, you know? And it was like a whole nother, like, oh. And I really didn't really have any idea what, what she meant, so I had to go back. And I had to look at it again and again and again. And I just had to do it. I just had to practice. That's why I love it. It's a spiritual practice. It's not spiritual perfection it's actually something I thought when I was approaching this program and it was a spiritual program that it just would happen naturally I just thought it was sort of and uh, what I found is it's been a lot of practice and um, so I had to get rid of that list <laughs> what's interesting too is that then um, uh, I just had to let go actually then I was banned from doing inventories for a long time about six months uh, by myself because I wasn't allowed to go in there alone <laughs> So I had to do my inventories on the phone and that was really good for me because I just had no idea about boundaries. I had no idea what... I had no perspective on, on myself and life and everything. So that was really good for me personally. And it's, it's just different, isn't it, for everyone. The same steps, but, you know, for some people, they they can't do inventories. For me, I was doing too many, too much. You know? um, and then the other thing that was really great about six and seven, learning about six and seven was um, at that time particularly was, um, uh, oh, that I had, so then I just, because then I thought, you know, oh, well, I'll, this is going to sound really stupid, it is, but I thought, oh, I better be, become sort of more hippie-like because um, I didn't like a lot of things about myself and I thought if I became sort of hippie-like, I'd be... Uh, more in line with how I thought spirituality was meant to be. So I started to try to be sort of like a hippie. Uh, I didn't know really what that meant. <laughs> but I thought, you know, like I'll try and, and, you know, meditate in a certain way, eat in a certain way, you know, and I thought I'd just because I decided that I was like a hippie that I would sort of go into the world and I'd be this calm person that just loved everyone. And um, that lasted not very long because <laughs> when I told someone my idea, well, I didn't really know that I decided that. I just had this thing where I was like, 
because I hated my... At the core of all of this is this deep, deep-seated hatred for myself, that I was never good enough and that um, I was always... Since about the... Um, since I remember when I was 12 and I, I, I hated myself from a long... And I started drinking at 13. I, I was at a... Um, we were at a... Um, relative's house and uh, they had this book on the shelf called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a famous old book. I was 12 years old and I read that book on that holiday about 10 times. I memorised the tactics in that book because I had this deep sense that I wasn't okay, that there was something wrong with me. I was shy, I was frightened, I never felt like I fitted in anywhere. And I thought that if I took these things that it said in the book, that then people would... And do them, which was like, oh, I had to remember everyone's name. <sighs> OK. And I had to, you know, do this and that. That then people would like me and I was OK. Mm. Then I started drinking and all that sort of... But I remember t- telling my mum this and um, she said... And I said, Mum, I'm going to change. I've read this book and I'm going to do these things in the book and I'm going to change and, you know... And really what I expect, I think what I needed her to say was, you don't need to change. And she said, oh, good, that's really good. And she started to encourage me to, to practice these things so I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, not her fault. This is just, you know, just what happened and my interpretation of that. Um, and so when I'm doing six and seven, all of that stuff's still there. And so me trying to be a hippie was still trying to control the situation, wasn't it? And... You know, I was sharing this with a with um, my sponsor, and um, so it's just not working. I'm just not calm. <laughs> I'm just not loving everyone. I'm not feeling it. And she said, Carolyn, and you know, and I said to her, and she we talked, and it wasn't really inventory stuff. And I talked, and I said to her, and she goes, Well, what's the problem? What's the problem with who you are? I said, Well, I was at a meeting the other day, and I was in the kitchen, and there's a couple of newcomers come in, and. I said, ran up, sort of went up to them and, and, and said hello and, um, you know, wanted to make them a cup of tea and was excited to see them. And uh, another member came in and they said, they, they said to me, Carolyn, God, you're too over-enthusiastic. You're going to scare all the newcomers off. <laughs> so that's... And I didn't know that's what triggered all this off. Mm. I, I felt like I was deeply... Um, that that my friendliness or my enthusiasm was actually wrong and I was trying to control it then and bring it back and I thought if I was sort of like this hippie person then I'd be okay Mm. and she said to me Carolyn one of the things I really like about you is your enthusiasm Mm. she said how long have you been miserable for I've been uh, diagnosed with depression you know I had depression when I was 16 tried uh, to take my own life a number of times um, I said, oh, yeah, probably miserable for a number of... Yeah, quite a long time. She said, so how cool is it that you're not now? Mm-hmm. Oh. And she said, well, you know, maybe this is actually about you finding out who you truly are and you starting to be OK with that. You know, you are friendly. Even if I'm nervous, I'm still friendly. It's not like, you know, it's just actually sometimes then I talk too much. Um, but, you know, that's all sort of a part of who I am and it's different from you or, you know, and I'm like, oh. So, you know, you look at that, I looked back at that sort of long list of <coughs> character defects and if you look, you know, if I, I didn't do this, but if I did that, um, ex, if I did this exercise, I could have 
probably reduced a lot of that down to about a, a half a page because a lot of the things I had on that list were actually things about my personality that I just decided that was wrong. So it was actually, you know, there's no humility is what I'm trying to say in my, my initial attempts to um, change. And that's why my friend talks about six and seven as the engine room because it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's where I get to start to change. It's the change, it's, you know, and Joe and Charlie talk about this a lot, is that, you know, really if we're going to stay sober and we're going to be happy about it, um, I know that's not the goal to be happy about it, but if I'm happy about it, then I'm going to probably stay sober. Like it's sort of, for me, a part of that. Um, doesn't mean I'm happy with my life all the time, but I'm happy to be sober in my life. Um, that, you know, we need to change. So I need to know what I need to change. And step four, uh, my inventory process gives me that. But I had to learn perspective in my inventory process. I had to learn um, in, in, in all of this what was actually who, me, and it's been said before, and what's actually character defects. And, um, and, and I guess how did I learn that? It was actually just living life, just showing up, just starting to be less intense, starting to have more faith. And, um, and that sort of comes with time and also then just listening to other people and listening with a different, you know, and seeing how different we all are and seeing how those people in front of me that were comfortable in their own skin and asking them, you know, and, and, and going out for coffee and talking to people. I remember the first time I, I, I um, was trying, I was sort of like, okay, I'm not going to be that intense. I'm, and and um, I found this girl that, was la- that used to laugh a lot. And I, so I said, would you like to go for a coffee with me? <laughs> so I went to this coffee. So I rocked up with my notebook and pen. <laughs> and I said to her, okay, now, how do you have fun? <laughs> how do you be spontaneous? <laughs> she laughed so much. And I didn't even know what she was laughing at. She was, oh my God, Carolyn, you're a scream. And it's great because, you know, when, you know, we can laugh about that now. And I had someone, then I had a, a younger member come up to me and say, how do you have fun? How do I lighten up? People telling me to lighten up. How do I let go? And I go, oh, I'll tell you a little story. Well, she laughed. She goes, I've got my notebook in my pocket. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I just put away the notebook. Because <laughs> I'd put down, like, I'll go to Luna Park. Is that fun? Like, is that fun? You know, and oh, God. So it's a journey. And then when I got to the steps in St Kilda about 10 years, I think around nine, 10 years sober, um, things started to change again in how I did the steps. So how I do them now is a lot different. Um, it's a lot gentler, there's more perspective. And what I do, so, so when I went through my first steps and I went through four and five, then we do six and seven, and there was all that angst I've just talked about in terms of coming to, <coughs> to sort of, you know, uh, accept myself as I am and life as I am and start to loosen up and lighten up and not take myself so seriously. I started to do my step 10 very differently, more balanced. I heard that it was okay to... You know, really okay to, to, to look at some of the good things I'd done in the day as well. And then I stopped, um, somehow uh, stopped looking at it um, and then thinking about it again. I became quite, um, I, I really love my step 10. And um, how I see 
my steps today is that really by practicing 10, 11 and 12 and integrating them in as my foundation and it's like this has become my way of life now. I don't, I don't have to sort of, um, it's not so painful and painstaking and intense as it was then trying to work it all out by myself. I've let go a lot. Um, and then, so now I go, I, I do my step 10. Now I can either do a spot check inventory just like I told you about this morning. I can either do, when I've got a resentment it can't shift or anything, I do some writing. So it's all, it takes lots of different forms today. And then I, so I'm doing my inventory. I, if I've done a, um, a written one particularly, I share it with my sponsor, which is five, step five. And then in six and seven, I've got a slightly different um, approach to it from Sue's, is I still um, do six and seven, but I look at what my character, if I've actually done a written inventory, and on my written inventory, I've actually come up with a character defect. Say, let's just take um, dishonesty or, yeah, resent, uh, resent, uh, dishonesty, then what I do is I ask God to remove that dishonesty. Now, my sponsor directs me to that because I've actually done a spiritual process and I've actually identified um, something on the character, character defects that of myself I wasn't able to let go of. So I ask God to remove that dishonesty and I've spoken to my sponsor um, and then I... I I hope, well, I, I, I try and act honestly. So basically, if, say if I've just um, uh, stolen something, then in my step eight and nine, I would give that back and I would apologise. And to me, even though it's probably spinning words a little bit, is that that's actually op acting in the opposite way of the dishonesty. And it's actually acting in the way that the steps tell me about the principles. And if I've got a resentment on someone then I actually pray for them and I wish them well, which in a way is the opposite. So I sort of see it that I'm working in, in, in with God to help me clear away these things. I'm not getting too analytical. It's either dishonesty and so I need to apologise or be, get honest. It's resentment. I need to, If it's a self-centeredness, I, I think of others and I get into service more. Like, I just do that. It's really simple. It really works for me. And then I, as I, as if there's any amends, then I, at the end of my step 10, I launch into step 11. And step 12's just, you know, the kind of overall um, everything. So that's sort of how I work it today. It works really, really well for me like that. And, um, yeah, thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.